hard to preach after that, I have to tell you. But I'm not going to preach. I'm just going to speak from the heart. As Abba was praying over us, it occurred to me, God didn't bring me here to be the national director of World Vision Ethiopia. He brought me here to be a member of this church and a part of your family. Abba alluded to it, uh, I think it was four, five years ago, I was in uh, TK building in Abba's office. And uh, as some of you know, um, my parents got divorced when I was very young. So I never had a father figure. And I mean, was there ever a better name, nickname for a, a man on this planet than Abba? Abba is such a father. He is such a daddy. And even before I knew what that name meant, I knew that's the anointing he had on his life. And he has three wonderful sons. And, and honestly, it's overwhelming to be adopted in, grafted in to the Mengistu family. Amen. So speaking of, of family, uh, my beautiful wife, as beautiful as she is, she's not a Besha, if you can believe that. She's actually from Angola, and I met her there when I was in Angola about over 20 years ago, and uh, fell in love with her immediately, got married as fast as I could before she or her family knew too much about me, amen? <laughs> And uh, I, I finished my contract there with World Vision, and we had been told by doctors we'd need, um, how do I put this, medical assistance to get pregnant. And so we, I took a job in America with the specific intention of us having a child, because we were desperate to have a child. And as God would have it, uh, when we landed in Washington, D.C., and we were driving across the states, I think we're in Missouri, Sandra got very, very sick, and we rushed her to an emergency room. And they did a bunch of tests, and we were praying, God, heal her. Uh, we didn't even know they did a pregnancy test. She got pregnant when we were in Angola. God answered our prayer before we got there. And, you know, Jesse even said it. God doesn't ask us to do anything he won't do himself. And usually he paves the road before us. And so as Abba was praying, I really felt in my spirit, God is birthing something here today. But it's, it's something in the spirit. I can feel it so tangibly. Um, I, I'm not here to talk about World Vision or the new organization. But just to say, as Abba said, it's uh, names mean things, particularly in Ethiopia. Amen. I always ask when I meet an Ethiopian, obviously I ask their name, but then I ask, what does your name mean? And my organization recently rebranded. It had another name before, but now it's for Africa. And God has brought me to Africa. I've lived my almost entire adult life in Africa. Uh, and, and so this organization is focused in Africa, but it doesn't have a presence in Ethiopia. How can that be? Right? Addis Ababa is not only the capital of Ethiopia, it's the capital of Africa. Can I get an amen? We got the Africa Worship Center here. That's not just for Ethiopians, that's for the entire continent. And so, um, I, uh, long story short, we're in the process of getting registered here, and I decree and declare and believe with all my heart, Africa Rise 2023, 
uh, for Africa will have a presence in this country. Amen, amen. I'm not a prophet, so I'm not going to prophesy anymore. I'm just going to get right into God's word. Amen. Uh, how many of you remember the last time I had the privilege and the honor of standing behind this pulpit? Anybody remember? It was uh, Resurrection Sunday. It was April 21st or 11th, uh, 2021. And uh, so nobody remembers that, huh? I really must have given a bang-up sermon. <laughs> nobody can even remember. Okay. I was wearing a beautiful red and black shirt. Did that help? Uh, my wife made it for me, the colors of Angola. Anyone? Anyone? Still no, nothing. Okay. Well, Pastor Z introduced me, and he read three verses uh, that are very powerful. I'll get to those at the end, uh, but they were verses about fasting. We're going to talk a little bit about fasting today. Uh, yeah, which is ironic. Let me just put it out there. Uh, you look at me, you think, this guy's going to talk about fasting? Really? Doesn't look like he's missed a meal in 50 years. Amen. <laughs> I hear my daughters laughing. Uh, that hurts a little bit, but it's true. They know me. They know me well. I, I love Ethiopian culture. Amen? I don't know if you've noticed. I've got an Amharic tie on. I've got Sheba socks on. I, I really, if I could be a Besha, I would be a Besha. If I could speak Amharic, I would do this sermon in Amharic. I really love Ethiopian culture. And one of the things I love and respect is fasting, right? What is it? More than half the days of the year officially can be fasting days, isn't it? Um, and I've tried and I've tried uh, with, let me say, limited success. So even this week, I, um, I told my family, I'm going to fast, pray in preparation for this Sunday. And uh, my wonderful 10-year-old daughter, Grace, always uh, honest, open, innocent, asked, uh, how many minutes? She didn't ask how many days, how many hours, how many minutes, Dad, do you think you can fast? Because she knows me well. She knows I love food too much. And she was right, by the way. Doesn't it seem like every time you want to fast, somebody offers you a free meal? It's uncanny. So we've had like five free meals this week. So I'm confessing before you all, I did not properly fast this week, but I still believe God's going to bless us. Amen? The other tradition I love is... In church, uh, people stand at the reading of God's Word. So I'm going to ask you all to stand, and we're going to read uh, the, the focus verse for today. If you have your Bibles, you can just go right into um, the book of John, and uh, the 11th chapter, and the 35th verse. Don't worry, it's a quick one. Jesus wept. You may be seated. Amen. Jesus wept. So, Pastor Z loves to say you're going to leave different than you came, right? All of us have heard that verse before, but by the end of today, we are never going to see that verse the same again. We are never going to just think of it as a simple two-word phrase, but I hope it, it transforms the way we see God and the way we see ourselves. Amen. I actually preached on this verse. World Vision has done our day of prayer here for the last four or five years. Uh, don't worry, World Vision staff. I'm not uh, regurgitating what I did last year. This is fresh. This is new. And it's really, I, I think I've really gotten a lot of perspective on it. 
um, particularly over the last year, about the depth of Jesus' tears and the meaning, why John made that one verse all by itself. Jesus wept. You, you preached actually about Lazarus, I think it was three weeks ago, about uh, come out, moving the stone. So we're going to rewind the tape a little bit and go um, earlier in chapter 11 to, to try to understand why did Jesus weep. Uh, if you're familiar with the story, Lazarus was sick. Lazarus was the young brother of Mary and Martha of Bethany. So they're very close to Jesus personally, and they seem to be a prominent family. And uh, they didn't have WhatsApp back then. They didn't have cell phones, but clearly they called. They communicated with Jesus. I don't know how they did that, but it was before even Lazarus died. And then four days after he was dead, Jesus was still uh, not there. And they asked him very boldly, why? Why, Jesus? Why didn't you come? If you would have been here, we know you could have saved him. Why didn't you answer? Why didn't you respond to our call? Uh, husbands in the house, you ever have one of those moments? Maybe you didn't answer your wife's phone call, and then you get home, and then you have a conversation. Why didn't you answer the phone? Amen? No? Am I the only one? Uh, Pastor Z has no idea what I'm talking about. Interesting. The, the point is, I think she was upset. Jesus, why didn't you come? You could have saved him. Well, you, you saved that girl. You saved that boy. We've seen you heal the sick. We know you have this power. Why didn't you come when we called you? But Jesus answers wonderfully. He, he said that you can see the glory of God. He didn't come to a funeral. He came to a resurrection. Amen? Amen? You can clap. You can clap. Yeah, yeah. You know, speaking of funerals, uh, actually, uh, Pastor Jesse and I were talking about this. As, as Americans, we've learned a lot about funerals uh, and just mourning uh, the dead. And what's funny in Ethiopia, you can be late to church. Can I get an amen? How many of you were late? Are you going to confess? Raise your hands. Late to church? Late to church? Okay, this young man, this young, honest man raised his hand. God bless him. Well done, right? We don't have any problem being late to church. We don't have any problem even being late to a meeting, maybe even with a government official. We definitely pitch up late to a wedding, amen? Who comes to a wedding on time? That's, that's crazy, that's rude, right? Amen, oh, all the married people in the house, yeah. But in Ethiopia, funerals start on time, amen? You, we honor the dead. We may not honor the living, but we'll, we'll respect the dead, right? You cannot come to an Ethiopian funeral late. So, and the culture there was very much similar. So people were upset at Jesus when he pitched up four days late to a wedding, I mean, to a funeral, isn't it? And they were asking why. And, and as I said, he had a bigger plan. He wasn't coming to a funeral. He was coming to a resurrection. There was one other time that Jesus wept, as recorded in uh, Luke, uh, the 19th chapter of the 41st verse. You're familiar with that one because it's as he's coming into Jerusalem and everyone's saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. They think, oh, finally, the Messiah is going to overthrow the government and establish his kingdom, get rid of these Romans. And he wept. And he wept because he knew 
what he was coming to do. It wasn't to establish an earthly kingdom, but an eternal kingdom. It wasn't coming to sit on a throne. It was coming to hang on a cross. Amen? So he was weeping for the nation. He was weeping knowing that within 70 years of that date, Jerusalem would be flattened by the Romans. The temple would be destroyed. So his mourning was about the nation of Israel, not, it wasn't so personal as, as this story with Lazarus was. This was a family he knew and loved. So let's, let's look at that a little bit. Let's look at uh, why Jesus cried so much um, at, at the funeral of Lazarus. And even though he came late, even though he knew he was gonna resurrect Lazarus, why, why those were his strongest tears. And I think the first reason is love. He loved Mary and Martha. He saw them crying. Uh, what's the most contagious thing in the world? Don't say COVID-19, please, for the love of God. It's crying. Can you watch a movie or a TV show? Can you see someone you love cry and not get that choke in your throat? Crying is contagious because we're all human beings. We all know what it is to suffer. We all know what it is to feel pain. And so especially when it's someone we love who's crying, uh, we, we have that inclination to cry. As men, we try to be tough and hold back the tears. But as human beings, that's our natural inclination, to mourn with those who mourn, amen? So that's what he was doing. He was crying because they were crying. Uh, but he was crying for another reason as well. And that's because he hates Death. Death is a result of sin, is a result of lack of faith. Death was brought into the world in the Garden of Eden because Adam and Eve didn't believe God's word. They, they second-guessed, they got deceived by the devil, and death entered the world. Sin entered the world. And Jesus knew the price that would have to be paid for that sin, and he, he knew the suffering that would come between the beginning of time and the end of time. And so... He was weeping uh, angry tears, I would even say. Let's look at the, the text itself. There's some, if you, if you go deep into the language, it has some really powerful insights. So let me just do that. So the verb that's used uh, about, uh, let me just read uh, two verses before, John eleven thirty three. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up inside him, and he was deeply troubled and stirred up. Stirred up is the same verb that they use at uh, the pool at Bethsaida. You know, this pool that a spirit uh, would, would, would get it going and then people would jump in to get healed. So it's like a like a tornado or a storm or a mini tsunami. It's, it's, a, it's a physical, powerful move uh, to be stirred up. So Jesus, Jesus was stirred up. Uh, another verb that's used is groan or growl. We've got, we've got a horse over here. Uh, horses, right? The, what's he, I don't even know what the word is in English. Um, is there a word for that? Nay right? Or like a lion growling, right? If a lion's trying to establish their territory, they're, ah, 
and you think, oh, I'm not going to mess with this lion. This lion's scared or this lion's angry and I'm scared. And so that, I don't know. I don't know. We didn't have video back then. I'm sure it would have gone viral to see Jesus and crying, angry tears. I'm sure everyone, I'm sure it was the same silence. I'm sure people are like, what is happening here? We thought he'd lay on a few hands or whatever, or, but, but he was angry. He was angry at death. He was angry at sin. He was angry at unbelief. And he prayed to his father out loud so that everyone could hear, I'm doing this for you, Lord. Uh, I'm doing this for you, Father God, that you get the glory because I am the resurrection and the life, he said. He wanted them to understand he wasn't just a miracle worker. He wasn't just a healer. He wasn't just a teacher. He was the son of the living God. He had power over life. John in his first chapter said, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was there in the beginning. That is a mind-blowing concept that even as believers we can't comprehend. And so unbelievers just don't accept it. And we'll, we'll get to that later. We'll see what the religious leaders of the day thought about that because they got it. They realized what was happening. This was not just a miracle. This changed the world. The belief at the time, and even Jesus himself showed uh, with a girl and a, and a boy earlier on in his ministry, that people could come back from the dead, right? It was even Elijah, right? Elisha. Uh, the, the, there was historical precedent for resurrection, but it was always within the first three days of death. Uh, a, common, a common belief, even today, is when we die, our spirit hovers, right? Our spirit doesn't just disappear. And so if you can get to that body, if you can get to that person, if they just died, maybe you can bring them back to life. So that's why Jesus waited four days. Do you know what happens to a body after four days in the grave? It is not pretty. It stinks. It's putrid. Things are decaying. Uh, my daughter's taking biology this year, and she's teaching me what happens to ourselves. It's crazy. So this was not just an ordinary miracle. This was the author of life penning the story for earth to see, I have the power over life and death. I am the resurrection. Amen? So I think that puts it in a little context uh, about why he wept and and what what those tears were all about. Those tears were not just empathy as a, as a human being. They were anger as, as God, as, as son of the living God, and as the Messiah who has power over life and death. And those tears were angry tears. Have any of you ever had angry tears? Am I the only one? Okay. A lot of angry tears, right? That's not a bad thing. Uh, there's a psalm that says, be angry, but don't sin. God doesn't want us to be robots. He wants us to be emotional. He shows us that example of being emotional. Jesus was a very emotional guy. He might have only cried twice in, in the Gospels. Um, but you look at other examples. Jeremiah. We call him the weeping prophet. He would stand before kings. <laughs> but there are angry tears. Repent! Don't you know what you're doing to your people? You're, he would risk death prophesying to a king who could kill him if he didn't like the prophecy. So crying is not for the faint-hearted. Crying is for the bold and courageous, amen? 
And so Jesus gives us that example of this, of this passionate, powerful, angry prayer. So I was trying to think last night uh, of the best example of personally when I cried with this depth of emotion. And it was when I was 10 years old and um, I was sleeping um, in my room upstairs and my sister was sleeping in another room upstairs and there was a banging at the door, just banging, banging. And, you know, my mom had always taught us, you know, don't, don't answer the door if I'm not here. But it was like three o'clock in the morning. It was middle of the night. And so we were scared and the, 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 the pounding didn't stop. It just kept going, kept going. So we talked, we're like, okay, let's go downstairs, see what's going on. And we came to the door, you know, in America, they have peepholes, you can look through the door. And we saw, we couldn't make out what we were seeing. We just saw part of like something blue. But then we heard a voice that we recognized and it was our mom. She's like, kids, open the door. It was a weak voice. So we knew, okay, it's safe to open the door. And we opened the door and there were two policemen, you know, they have these blue uniforms with the, with the shiny badges and uh, each one was holding my mom up. Uh, like, uh, you know, how you, how you keep someone from falling. And uh, she was wearing a white uh, hospital apron. You know, anyone been to a hospital and they tell you to take off all your clothes and then they put on this thing that covers nothing. Can I get an amen? <laughs> right? So she was, she was covered with this white robe, uh, and I could see blood in places, and I looked at her eyes. One was swollen shut, the other one was crying, and blue and purple, and, and she was crying. And so we just started crying, because we love her. She's our mom. We didn't have to ask her what happened. We loved her, and we sympathized with her, we empathized with her, we cried with her, and that's... That's what Jesus did. Jesus wept for Mary and Martha. And, and the Bible's very clear that he's interceding, right? He is at the right hand of the Father now. He sent Holy Spirit uh, to guide us and, and to intercede on our behalf when we pray. Groanings that can't be uttered. How many of you have had prayers where you just run out of words? Amen? And you, you just don't know what else to say. The Lord intercedes on our behalf. The Lord has cried those tears. The Lord has experienced pain beyond what we can imagine. He carried the weight of all human sin on that cross. And he didn't cry there. He just cried out, Abba, Father, receive my spirit. And so again, I think, I love that you said that, Jesse, about God never asking us to do what he wouldn't do himself and him showing the way, him being the example. I think this is, for me, the most personal and powerful example of, of Jesus humanity and his divinity amen so think think for yourself uh, of your own it doesn't have to be a childhood experience it could be something more recent but uh remember remember like i just tried to remember what you were thinking what you were feeling what that was like maybe there was a smell maybe there was a sound in the in the moment of that heartbreaking crying, that angry crying, that anguished crying. And just re remember that. I'm sure it's easy to come to your mind, but we often try to suppress those, those memories. We try to keep them separate. But I think God wants to use those.
for his glory. And I, I hope that happens today, and I hope it happens for all of us for the rest of our life, that we are, we're not afraid to cry. Amen, Kibron. We don't have to be scared of tears. Men, real men cry. Can I get an amen? amen. Real women cry. Can I get an amen? amen? Crying shows the heart of God. Crying shows we love each other. Crying shows we're human. Uh, I was thinking about this. I, I already gave, probably shared too much about um, sort of family history. Um, when Grace was born uh, in Zimbabwe, uh, the, the doctor, ironically his name was Dr. Suddens, but he wasn't sudden enough. He didn't get to the hospital in time. So it was just Sandra, me, and this nurse who, praised the Lord, she was a believer. And she was like, the baby's coming. And sure enough, Grace came faster than I could have thought or imagined. And there was silence. And we were, oh, I never prayed like I prayed right then. Because what's the first thing you want to hear when a baby's born? Crying, thank you. When they cry, you know they're alive. You know they're okay. When there's no crying, you panic. They start changing colors. You're like, oh my God, what's happening here? But when they cry, you know, okay, well, praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. The baby's okay. The baby's crying. Amen? Let's go, let's fast forward to when we're all old. If we're lucky, there's two best ways to die, in my humble opinion. In your sleep and surrounded by loved ones. Can I get an amen? amen. Because when you're surrounded by your loved ones, you have that opportunity. They cry. Wonderful, beautiful tears. They, you celebrate your life. Crying is a beautiful thing. Can I get an amen? And that's, again, an essential part of, of the human condition is this ability to cry. So I want to encourage us to not be afraid of tears. Amen? Isaiah, in the 53rd chapter, himself said the Messiah would be a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. I have to say, over the last 73 months I have lived here, I have cried more in Ethiopia than I ever cried from the day I was born. Can I get an amen? There's a lot to cry here. There, Ethiopia is acquainted with grief. Can I get an amen? Ethiopia has suffered arguably as much as any country in the world over its long, wonderful history. And it's not fun to suffer. No one seeks suffering. But suffering is almost a privilege. God only gives us what he knows we can handle. And he must love Ethiopia because he lets you all suffer, isn't it? Can I get an amen? amen. It, uh, nobody asks for that. We don't pray for that. We don't pray, uh, Lord, let my brother die. No, we pray, Lord, save my brother. But even if he doesn't, uh, he is there with us in our suffering, and he uses that suffering for his glory. Amen? So, let me say something a little bit complicated and controversial. I think Ethiopia is Lazarus. Hear me out, yeah? Lazarus was about 30 years old uh, on this day that he died. Well, he died. I don't need to use inverted commas. He was dead. He was dead. Dead and buried. So he was young. 
Did you know 70% of Ethiopia's population of well over 100 million people is under the age of 30? This is a young nation. It's a historic nation. It's been around thousands of years. But in this generation, it's a young nation. And the Bible is very clear about what God thinks about children. The only other time Jesus got as angry as he did at Lazarus' grave might have been when he said, better for a millstone to be wrapped around your neck than for you to harm a child. Remember that? God sympathizes with orphans and widows and people that have suffered from injustice or crime. And he relates with them so much that Jesus himself said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Remember, Lord, Lord, we cast out demons. We did all this stuff. And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. When I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was thirsty, you didn't give me something to drink. When I was in prison, you didn't visit me. Me, he's associating with prisoners. He's associating with the hungry. He's associating with the thirsty. He's associating with the poor. And so that's a powerful revelation that how God sees himself and how we need to see him, how we need to view our relationship with him. It's not just us asking for miracles. It's not just us um, praying, God, please uh, heal my brother. Don't let him die. It's, it's us being with the Lord in his suffering and, and uh, relating with him on a very deep level. Amen? So here's the other piece of why I say that Ethiopia is like Lazarus. <laughs> the world especially for the last year or two, keeps reading Ethiopia's obituary. Can I get an amen? Oh, the war is going to destroy the country. It's going to fall apart. COVID, remember COVID? I forgot, I'm not wearing a mask anymore, but was it March 13th, 2020? Uh, the UN projection, 3 million Ethiopians are going to die. COVID, just, it's, a, it's inevitable, even if we lock down tomorrow. And Ethiopia, I, I've been blessed to live here over the last three years. The, we did not lock down like other countries locked down. Can I get an amen? All right, yeah. And thank God for Dr. Leah and other strong leadership. But mainly it was prayer. Mainly it was God's protection. There's no earthly explanation. The, they'll be writing books about this for generations. Why did Italy and France and the US these countries with these great medical systems, Menomen, and everybody dropped dead within months. I think the last count I heard in Ethiopia was maybe 8,000, right? So people were, were saying Ethiopia is going to be devastated by COVID. Ethiopia is going to be devastated by conflict. Ethiopia is going to be devastated by climate change, flooding, drought, all these doomsday predictions. Uh, we're not out of the woods yet. I'm not, I'm not saying we're not suffering. I'm not saying it's easy, but God has delivered us. We were not dead in that grave. We, we, are, we are alive, and all that needs to happen is to remove that stone. Amen? Maybe let me give a very personal example since I, I'm looking right at, at Pastor Z and... We've been talking a lot about crying. I know men aren't comfortable with crying, so let me give a football analogy. Is everybody ready for a football analogy? 
Yeah, amen. Java, you're ready for a football analogy. I can see it. Who would have dreamed Ethiopia would beat Egypt 2-0 this week? Can I get an amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if God, if God can give us the victory on the pitch, God can give us the victory anywhere, right? All things are possible. Well, let me, let me amend that. I, not all things are possible on the pitch. Otherwise, I know Pastor Z was praying Liverpool to beat Real Madrid, and that didn't happen. So sorry for that. You're, you didn't pray with enough faith, maybe. Or maybe, maybe Liverpool's not in the Bible, and so God, God didn't honor that prayer the way he honors prayers about Ethiopia. <laughs> Your rebuttal will be at the end, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Ethiopia is in the Bible, I think, over 50 times. It's a major part of prophecy, and you look at Acts 8 in the New Testament, the first supernatural evangelical conversion was the Ethiopian finance minister's, uh, they call him a eunuch, I hate that. I'm sure he was a high-level official. Back then, you had to be a eunuch to be a high-level official, to be in the presence of the queen. I'm not going to get into that too much. But the point of the matter is, God planted a seed in Ethiopia before he planted it anywhere in the Roman Empire. And God is a God of circles. God is a God of continuity. We're in the generation. I can't wait. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to be next month or next year. But what he started here, he's going to finish here. The Christianity planted in Ethiopia, planted in Africa, will bear a harvest in the final generation. Can I get an amen? Amen, amen, amen. So the world underestimates Ethiopia. I think we can all agree to that. But I also dare say Ethiopians underestimate themselves. Oh, silence. Okay, you want to hear why? You all underestimate how good you are and how God uses you. You all talk about the divisions, you all talk about poverty or whatever, whatever. But honestly speaking, I have seen more acts of generosity over the last six years than I have acts of cruelty. I have seen people risk their lives for people who weren't part of their family, weren't part of their ethnicity, because they had that in their heart to do it. Uh, there's over 3,000 Ethiopians in World Vision and Vision Fund, which is our microfinance institute. And what has amazed me again and again and again and again, my first month here, um, one of our buildings, one of our offices was burnt to the ground. And back then already there was a lot of protests in Aromia and a lot of tension in Addis Ababa. And every year something's happened. Uh, Somali region one year, uh, Gedioguji, uh, the Hararges, the Walegas, Tigray, Amhara, Afar. It's like, I'll never forget the analogy you gave. Um, I don't even remember when it was. You said, the old has passed away, but the new has not yet come. And you said, it's like a chicken with its head chopped off. The chicken with its head chopped off doesn't know it's dead. Right? He ain't getting resurrected. He's going to die. But when you cut off his head, I don't know what the biology is. What do they do? They run around. Now they're running all over. They're dead. They're dead. They're dead. But they don't know they're dead. So they just keep running, 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 running. And then dead. Right? That's kind of, we're in that space now. Chaos is everywhere. 
the, the kingdom of darkness is saying, what, something's happening here. There's spiritual things happening. Let's run around. Let's create chaos. Let's create division. Let's, let's cause people to distrust one another. And so that chicken's running around. We think the chicken's in charge. The chicken's not in charge. The chicken's going to die. We just don't know when. Can I get an amen? So all that to say, there is the capacity and the ability in the body of Christ, very broadly speaking in Ethiopia, to remove the rock, to tell Lazarus, come out. You ain't dead yet. I ain't done with you yet. Amen? Let me just ask, um, let me just ask all the World Vision uh, staff to stand and we just give them a hand because um, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why afterwards, but just have them stand and then just give them a big hand. Thank you. Thank you so much. So the way World Vision works is when a disaster happens, we seek funding. We have a little money set aside for emergencies, but it's not enough usually to cover it. So part of my job was to raise funds, write proposals, meet with donors, et cetera, et cetera. But in every case that I just mentioned, in every region of the country, whenever a disaster happened, whenever people were displaced, whenever people were suffering, whenever people were hungry, it was our staff themselves that responded. They literally gave their own blankets, their own clothes, their own cash. They, they would put five, 10% of their salaries to be automatically deducted and go straight to the response. That is the love of God. That is mourning with those who mourn. That is identifying with the poor, amen? We've been talking a lot about tears, mainly tears of pain, tears of suffering. But there's also joyful tears. There's also times where we cry because we're happy. And as we transition um, to the end of this service and as we look forward to the future of Ethiopia and to the future of this planet, uh, I think I can safely say uh, tears of joy are coming, amen? Psalm 35, 5 says, Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Isn't that a great verse? Don't you just love that verse? Oh, that, that encourages me so much. Revelation 21, 4, written by the same John who wrote the gospel, had amazing visions of Christ's second coming and the establishment of the new heaven and the new earth. And he says in the 21st chapter in the fourth verse, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain. For the former things have passed away. What a promise. Amen? Getting back to David, uh, the Psalm 58, verse 6. David was very poetic. He was a warrior. He was ruthless. He killed people without hesitation in very brutal ways. But he was also very 
sensitive. The most beautiful poetry in the world, I would argue, would be his psalms. And uh, I think it was the 58th psalm. Yes, the 58th psalm in the sixth verse, he uses this beautiful metaphor because he was on the run. People who he thought loved him, betrayed him. And, and he said, God, you're, you're bottling up my tears. You're bottling, you're putting my tears in a bottle. And all my life, I've always imagined uh, that was, uh, you know, like, uh, I think I've got one here. Uh, you know, when you put things in your eye, yeah. You know, like a, a little tiny bottle like this, right? To put teardrops in your eye. So I was imagining, metaphorically, David getting tears in a bottle, one drop at a time, right? But the word is actually, the word is actually wineskins. He's talking about putting tears in a wine bottle. Can you imagine how much you have to cry to fill a wine bottle? That's a lot of tears, amen? That is an ocean of tears. That is a river of tears. That is how much David cried while he was on the run from his son, from Saul, from others who were trying to destroy him. And he, he cried out to God, you're holding those in a bottle. You're holding those in a bottle. What a beautiful metaphor. Our tears are not in vain. Amen? God's going to use those tears. I love Pastor Z always uses this metaphor of a river and of a flood. Remember some of those sermons? A flood is coming. Now, we always think we're in Ethiopia. We got the Grand Renaissance Dam. That must be the Nile. Amen? No? Okay. Maybe it's just me. But the river is not a physical river. It is a metaphorical river. It is a spiritual river. And uh, I think it's a river full of tears. I think when we truly mourn for those who mourn, when we truly love our brothers and sisters the way Jesus showed he loved Mary and Martha, that's when the flood comes. That's when the water flows. Amen? So this brings me back to the verse that I talked about at the beginning about fasting uh, at Fasica last year. Uh, I hope they can put it up on the, on the board there. This is Isaiah 58, verses 6 through 8. Isaiah chapter 58, verses 6 through 8. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood. Your own flesh and blood. Turn to your neighbor. Turn. You might be sitting next to your wife or your husband or your kids, so turn, turn to someone behind you you don't know and say, you're my flesh and blood. Amen. Did you know this is the most prayerful nation on the planet? Uh, the Pew Research Council uh, canvassed the world, and Ethiopia is the most religious country in the world. When you combine Orthodox, Protestant, Catholic, Muslim, it's hard to find anyone in Ethiopia that doesn't believe in God. 
they might differ on theology, they might differ on their definition of God, but this is a very prayerful nation. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah. Fasting and prayer are part of Ethiopia's rich culture and history, which you're rightfully proud of. But prayers can be blocked by unrepentance. They can be blocked by unforgiveness. Lord's prayer said, Lord, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Amen? Three weeks ago, Pastor Z preached about Africa in general and Ethiopia in particular, that we have the spirit. Everybody believes in God. Spiritual things are not foreign to us and we, we have faith in them. We, we embrace them. We're not as cynical as the Western world. But while we always have a lot of prayer and a lot of spiritual um, activity, we don't always have justice and righteousness. Can I get an amen? Amos 5.14 says, justice and righteousness must what? Flow like a river. Flow like a river. And that flood is coming. We're in the rainy season, but I think we need to enter into the teary season. Can I call it that? A season of tears. We can, we can cry with those who are crying. We can mourn. We don't have to keep a stiff upper lip. It's okay to cry. That's what we tell our children. It applies to adults as well. Amen? So let's cry tears, tears of righteousness, tears of humble forgiveness, tears of faith. Faith that Jesus, in fact, is the resurrection and the life. Amen? Let me just ask Pastor Z to, to come forward and to close us out. I just wanted to share that um, as just a reflection on what Ethiopia uh, has taught me over the years and, and what I'm going um, with. Uh, we will always hold Ethiopia in our hearts. I hope to be back here in the months and the years ahead. Uh, but um, Ethiopia is part of God's plan. It's not any one individual. It's not any one organization. It is God's purpose and plans for this nation. Amen? Why don't we all stand together, please? Praise the Lord. The, the tears of sorrow will turn to tears of joy in Jesus' name. Just like the case of Lazarus, the tears of bitterness, anger, everything confused will turn to tears of unbelief. And uh, I believe the message was that Ethiopia is Lazarus. Praise the Lord. I, I like that because uh, we're in a a season of time where it's only God who can pull us out of some of the challenges we are in. And uh, uh, I think now is a, a time, right, uh, what God did today, just show us where we are on the map. Praise the Lord. That's what God is doing today. And uh, it was, you said you're not a prophet, but it was very prophetic. Uh, we're right at the, the, the tears of sorrow, frustration, difficulty. Uh, but we're about to turn the page. We will, we will see because what's happening is not going to be the what, what God has promised. And we were talking about today. Solomon, after he dedicated the temple, he said these words. He said, by your own mouth, you have spoken. And with your own hand, you have fulfilled. And that's what I'm believing for, for this vision, for this nation, for the continent of Africa. The question is not is how bad our things are. So it's what has God said?
Because if God has says the same God who spoke it, he himself will fulfill it. Can we get an amen? amen? Thank you, my brother. I appreciate you so much. We've had quite a journey. I think it's just beginning. It's just beginning. Let's stretch our hands. Father, in Jesus' name, we receive your word today. We thank you, Father God, that you, truly it has been a season of many tears. Truly it has been a season of confusion for many of us. Double guessing, uh, wondering where you are, maybe crying out to you, but not crying out in the right spirit or right attitude. Father, in Jesus' name, we're determined with the same determination Jesus had, knowing that you were his father who heard him, who heard him always. And as we stand before these challenges before us, Father God, there's just no other way, Father God. You said it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by the spirit of, of God that these mountains are made low. So we thank you for lowering this mountain before us. Thank you for removing this stone before us. The weeping endures for the night. Joy comes in the morning. So we hold on to the one who made the promise. And we thank you, Father God, that you will use the agency of our faith to create and birth what mind has not seen, what mind has not conceived, and what is beyond any of our comprehension. For you are a God who is the God of the extraordinary, a God of the empty tomb, a God of raising Lazarus from the dead. So even in personal situations, Father God, whatever needs to come alive today, we receive this word, Father God, turn our weeping of sorrow into weeping of joy. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.